there's a strong overlap between animal agriculture and plant-based agriculture, even if you are 100% plant-based. Welcome to Croptastic, the interplant podcast where your hosts, Shelly Aronov, Marta Balayak, and Sean Yokomizo explore the global future of agriculture and food. Joining us this week is Nate Saulpeter from Sweet Farm and Snow, that's snow, S-N-O dot L-L-C. Let's jump into the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our next episode of Croptastic, the podcast by Interplant. And today we have Nate Saulpeter. Nate and I met, I guess, over two years ago. Time flies. And uh, the first time I met Nate was on his farm, in Sweet Farm, in Half Moon Bay. And he was, he was really uh, a pivot moment for Interplant because he gave us our first field trial, which was such a difficult thing to get done when you're just getting started as a startup. And Nate, it's actually a really exciting timing because today or yesterday, we planted our 2021 field trial and it's now a whole acre in, in woodland. Um, so it's really fun to see the progression. Nate, thank you for being on the podcast, and uh, maybe we can just start with a short introduction about yourself and Sweet Farm, and uh, we'll take it from there. Absolutely. It's great to be uh, be here, Shelley, and that's incredible news. Uh, congratulations on, on the achievement of, of hitting that milestone. It's always a bit... Uh, uh, it's a little, you know, bittersweet in terms of uh, we love doing these kind of field trials with different companies, and uh, at a certain point, they kind of out, outgrow our our fields at Sweet Farm. And I will explain for the audience a little bit about Sweet Farm. Uh, but at a certain point, you know, a company grow, outgrows it, and uh, they go off and do great things. And um, you know, it, it provides us an opportunity to kind of reflect back of of what is the mission of Sweet Farm. So. At a high level, Sweet Farm is a nonprofit organization located just south of San Francisco, uh, right along Highway 1. And we are dedicated to creating a compassionate and sustainable world. So we're doing that through a combination of programs. One is uh, farm animal rescue, rehabilitation, and education programs around uh, different aspects of the food system. Second set of programs are our plant-based agriculture initiatives. So we do run a plant-based CSA program or community supported agriculture program, uh, which does feed around uh, 50 or 60 families in the Bay area. And then the third set of programs are our technology initiatives. So that's really how Sweet Farm scales impact. Uh, we have about 20 acres right there on the coast, and we're looking to uh, support amazing innovations and technologies that are really transforming the way the world's 7.7 billion people are feeding themselves. Um, and of course, we have 2 more billion on the way over the next 30 years. So uh, we need all of the innovations we can get uh, to really transform uh, the food system. So Nate, your background is you're a thermal hydrolysist. And at some point you decided that you're going to open Sweet Farm. And also, I think the focus is really unique because it is technology focused, but also community focused. How did it all come together? At, at a core level, uh, what is a thermal hydrolysis? Just for anyone who's uh, not, not up on not that. Not a lingo. physicist. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. So uh, I have worked in climate tech for about 13 years. Um, I, I got my... Uh, PhD at Texas A&M University in Mechanical Engineering, uh, really with research applied to the nuclear power industry. Uh, so physicists create the heat. Um, I design systems that remove the heat. And uh, essentially, you know, it's this like deep niche 
area of impact, you know, to, to help, you know, the planet uh, move, move into advanced uh, energy production. Um, I, I got out of school. I went and worked at Bill Gates nuclear startup TerraPower for about five years um, up in Seattle. And my wife, Anna Sweet, and I, uh, we ended up meeting up there while I was at TerraPower. And uh, we, we started to get really in tune with uh, where our food uh, was coming from, how it was being produced. And uh, at the same time, we were also really involved with uh, animal welfare, uh, working with dog and cat shelters. We had this kind of like uh, amalgam of different topics and, and things that we were passionate about. And at a certain point, Anna, uh, she actually got a, a job offer down in the Bay Area. So we moved from downtown Seattle out to uh, just south of Half Moon Bay, California. And at that point, uh, we said, you know what? Let's take all of these things we're passionate about and really align it into a cohesive mission. Um, so we went downtown Seattle, out into the countryside, and started Sweet Farm at that point. But it was really about this, you know, we have this tech background um, that that we love integrating in. You know, we, we didn't want to compete with other amazing organizations doing great work. Instead, we wanted to complement them and really fill the white space um, that that is out there to really maximize our impact that we can have. Right. And that makes sense as that those early stages for agricultural startups are really tough, right? Most startups, you have a laptop, you go into an office, and that's pretty much the infrastructure you need. We need to work on plants. We need greenhouses. We need fields. So it, it makes sense that this fills a need that uh, a lot of people cannot provide for. Maybe you can talk a little bit about the different technologies that you've been involved with and what do you think is going to be the subset of technologies in the future that make a huge impact? Yeah, that's that's a great question. And and the I mean the food system is complex, right? I mean, it, what I will say is, you know, yes, professionally I've worked on nuclear reactors. What I will say about the food system is it is exponentially more complex. Um like humblingly so, and so, so as, as a result, um, you know, there's so many areas that, that can really be, um, approached in terms of how to, how to drive that impact. So we work with companies spanning everything from, uh, plant-based proteins, cellular agriculture, uh, we're doing work in the sustainability space in really like wastewater treatment. So upcycling, you know, the, the biomass that comes out of wastewater treatment into, uh, environmentally friendly co-products such as biochar, which does have a lot of agriculture applications, uh, especially when you get into increasing soil carbon content. Um, it, it has all sorts of interesting implications. Um, so there's there's several companies. Uh, I, I'll I'll just kind of list list off a few that I'm super excited about. Um, one in the cellular agriculture space is Turtle Tree Labs. Uh, they're producing dairy uh, without a single animal. It's biologically identical. They're actually starting with human breast milk. Um, and they actually won the Entrepreneurship World Cup last year out of over 175,000 companies. Uh, we actually placed the very first investment in them. Um, so they are just doing incredibly well. Um, of course, the implications around carbon emissions and the the fact that you don't need uh, you don't need antibiotics, uh, that aspect, really transforming 
the dairy industry, right? A $750 billion industry. Um, Bioforce Tech, that's that uh, pyrolysis, that biochar company. Um, they are actively um, closing closing the human waste loop in a way that removes polyfluoral alkyls and um, all these, these waste chemicals and pharmaceuticals that otherwise are able to leach back into the water table. Uh, they're able to basically deconstruct those molecules uh, through this process, and they can do it uh, in a carbon negative way. Uh, we started doing their very first field trials uh, about four years ago, and we're still partnering with them on projects. And um, they're they're you know off to the races as well. So those those are a couple of the the companies. Uh, of course, Interplant. Super excited um, the fact that we had the opportunity to help uh, help you all with your first couple of years of field trials out at Sweet Farm. Um, for for reference, I when I was in school, I actually one of my major areas of research was in computer vision and uh, uh, laser based diagnostics. Which uh, there's there's a lot of interesting just kind of overlap in terms of like how do you visualize you know light in unique ways and, and extract data in unique ways. So uh, love love what you're doing with Interplant as well. Um, I think that kind of took the team. Uh, by surprise, when I started walking out in the field and was able to kind of hold my own. Of course, you guys have a, a team that's way smarter than I, I am on those topics, but I was at least able to hold my own in a conversation. So Nate, let me let me jump in because I'm super curious about something. And and I'm fascinated by you know the technology that you guys are trialing. But I was looking at Sweet Farm and you have some interesting, there's an interesting coalescence there, right? Because you have um not only the, you know, the the kind of, I guess, Ag tech incubator uh, that you just talked about, but then you have the you know that you have the the rescue with the animals. You have a community outreach program. There's a lot of different things going on there, and I'm curious if what the objective there is, if that if those if those are happenstance or if those are coalesced for for a reason in in terms of is there an idea to scale towards that? Do they inform each other? Uh, help me out with that because I, I I found that model really interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great question. Uh, thanks for thanks for picking up on that. So, you know, there's a whole bunch of amazing organizations out there already, uh, both on the uh, animal welfare side as well as on the uh, kind of plant based agriculture side. Uh, the The interesting thing is when you when you look at say the animal welfare side alone, oftentimes they you know the approach is to talk about uh, the food system in the context of just the animals. Uh, the reality is that it's it's a system of systems that are all interlinked. And you often see, uh, you often enter into conversations with someone who's say been plant-based or been vegan for 30, 40 years, and they don't even realize all of the inputs and things that go into producing uh, the fruits and vegetables that they eat. It's, it's kind of a, a little bit of a, a cognitive dissonance, uh, whether intentional or not, uh, when it comes to the fact that you have blood meal, bone meal, fish meal, feather meal, even when you're talking about organic produce, there's a there's a strong overlap between animal agriculture and plant-based agriculture, even if you are 100% plant-based. So in order to be able to talk about the system and be able to start approaching ways to improve on the system we felt it was extremely important for us to get our hands in the soil and get that experience, uh, you know, working working as as producers ourselves, 
That way, when we enter into conversations with some of the world's largest producers, uh, and we do invite them out to the farm, uh, we talk to them about about uh, you know new technologies and new approaches. Uh, they they enter into that conversation uh, with with a uh, in a different way than say if we just met in an office space and they look they would look at us like. Uh, you know, hey, you guys. You know, I I hear you. You're you're suggesting all these things on ways to do it better, but you don't know what you're talking about because you've never put your hands in the soil. You've never, you know, sweat alongside uh, you know people out in the field. And and the reality is like that that would be you know a fair point. So instead, you know, we wanted to get practiced, get get that understanding first. So um, it really begins with informing ourselves before we can inform others. And when I say others, it's everyone from kids, parents, politicians, CEOs, and the the broader community at large. And I, I think the important thing uh, to consider here is while while Sweet Farm does produce food, you know, for our CSA program with no spray, uh, we also follow what's called uh, veganic practices. So we don't use animal-based products uh, in in the production. We use a lot of biocyclic processes. So uh, we we harvest duckweed from our pond, which extracts excess nutrients from that pond. We use that in our compost to increase nitrogen levels. We create these cycles uh, on the farm. But what we do recognize is these types of agriculture practices are, you know, very uh, bespoke and in, in many ways, you know, privileged. Um, so it is important that we are uh, helping helping improve practices uh, for the way that you know the the rest of the world is feeding themselves. Right, uh, over seven billion people feeding themselves with non organic food. How can we move that population's food source? a giant leap forward. And that's where uh, new technologies like, uh, you know, the the tech that uh, Shelly and Interplant are, are producing and other amazing companies out there are producing. That's where that really comes into play. So we're super excited to be working uh, alongside the entrepreneurs. And, and where does the chicken bot fit? The chicken feed bot? I, I, <laughs> I, I fell in love. I was on your website and the chicken feed bot, someone should win a Nobel prize for that. That's a genius idea. <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's hilarious. Um, my one of my one of my good friends, uh, Sean Hodgins, uh, he he's actually uh, an engineer. He he works with uh, Mark Rober, uh, you know the the famed uh, Mark Rober YouTube uh, star, uh, who does the cell phone uh, glitter bomb uh, viral video. Uh, so my friend Sean is actually uh, the one that uh, you know largely built uh, that that actual. Uh, device. I approached him uh, a couple years ago and I said, Hey, we want to get people engaged. Uh, we want people, you know, we, we don't just want to put a uh, video camera out on the farm. And so people can live stream videos. We want them to actually engage with it. So at that point, he and I worked together. We produced this, uh, this chicken feeding robot that essentially you go, go onto the website uh, you make a little donation and it would feed the chickens and display your name live at the farm uh, and uh, stream it out over Twitch. And, uh, you know, it, it worked great. Right now it's it's down for some repairs. It should be back up in another uh, uh, month, month and a half. But uh, yeah, it's that was such a fun project. And we got something like 
13,000 minutes watched in the first week or something like that. It's just an easy way to drive uh, traffic, which we then pair it with education along the margins of the website. Do you find any of your veganic practices to be easily scalable for other areas? I know you referred to it as bespoke and privilege, but are there ways to just replicate this? Yeah, so so that's where uh, you, you start to get into uh, practices that incorporate you know, good, good crop rotation, good co-planting, cover cropping, um, utilizing low and no-till methods. Uh, if you're, if you're taking care to integrate in some of those approaches, you can get away with not needing to supplement, uh, additional nitrogen sources, um, you know, from, from outside in, in outside ways. So you're not having to bring in bat guano and, and manure and, you know, fish meal and bone meal and blood meal. Uh, so there's, there's, you know, some aspects to that. Um, there's several, several amazing books that, you know, are showing uh, these, these practices are, are not just effective and scalable, but in many ways can uh, increase, uh, increase production. Um, though they focus largely on the tilling aspect more so than the veganic specific component. So um, I, I do think they are scalable. I think there's uh, some work that needs to be done within the what are the um, sort of veganic standards, but um, uh, this is this is an area that we are working with those individuals that actually produced those standards about twenty years ago um, to continually update them and improve them. And uh, I was asked just the other day uh, by this group, you know, what is what are some of the requirements that we want to incorporate into the standards? And the thing that I stressed the most was these standards must be scalable. Uh, maybe towards the end, uh, probably a tougher question. As someone that looks at a lot of the new technologies, what do you see as the future of farming? Let's say 15, 20 years from now. Uh, How would you yes. like to see it evolve? Yeah, no, that's that's great. I think, uh, well, so something that I mentioned before, which I'll just touch on, of course, is overall improving how food for, you know, the 90% of the planet is produced. Um, how do we do that? Right. So it's, uh, increased scaled and automated and, you know, automated, uh, production is one thing. Um, analytics go, goes into that where data is driving every decision. Uh, I think automating these tasks to eliminate inputs and maximize outputs uh, and reducing, uh, food waste is key, but a lot of that uh, gets tied in with things like uh, computer vision paired with uh, good AI uh, training of of those uh, uh, methods. All of those different aspects play into it. So, if you look at specific technologies that are out there, uh, you know, of course, you have interplant. You know, at the core of of the actual uh, visual analysis and that kind of piece. Then you have companies like Farmwise with their automated automated uh, weeding technology that you know, you have different technologies being produced by different companies. I think over the next 10 to 20 years, you'll start to see these different pieces uh, agglomerating into, into approaches that, you know, can, can really accelerate how we are, are improving these systems. Uh, then you have marketplaces. Uh, you have companies like Full Harvest uh, that are creating marketplaces for, you know, for uh, lower grade produce um, that, that otherwise would go to waste. Uh, companies like Appeal with plant-based coatings um, to extend shelf life, you know, out in the grocery store. And then companies like uh, 1.1 is a smaller company 
that is is doing vertical farming, but they're doing it with um, you know better analytics and automation um, to eliminate you know some of the scissor lift uh, components that are making scaling of vertical farming a little bit more difficult. Um, so some big players out there, you know, companies that are already in grocery stores and out in the fields, uh, and then some some new ones. I think all of these different pieces. Uh, come together. But at a high level, what is the key thing that all of them kind of have in common is uh, they are producing data. You know, it, at, a, at a fundamental level, you have these companies that are, are producing data either out in the field or, uh, you know, in the vertical farm or in the consumer, you know, in the, in the grocery store. It's, it's all about data. Um, and, and I think that's where there's a huge opportunity as uh, an investor, um, that's that's a big piece. So at the end of the day, you know, Sweet Farm has done a lot to support different companies. Um, it has culminated with us actually spinning out. I have five other partners, where we have a fund uh, as part of that process, and uh, it's just been the natural evolution uh, as well. So we're really excited about uh, that part of the process and and what's to come uh, on that front to support amazing technologies like we've been talking about here. So you're creating an entirely different venture capital fund. Yeah, it's really about an ecosystem. Um, and, and this is, you know, what we've done with Sweet Farm is just one piece of it. So uh, the ecosystem is called Snow. And uh, we're really excited um, to move into this next phase. And, and it's really about working alongside uh, the entrepreneurs here. Well, thanks so much, Nate, for being here with us. And I hope you continue to thrive and give a lot of new companies the opportunity to get started and just continue the great work. And people, if you're close to Huffman Bay, you should definitely go visit the farm. Is it open again? Yeah, so we are open for uh, farm tours now. And uh, we have been, uh, we still do our goat to meeting tours. If you've heard of that, you can learn yeah. more on our website. But um, yeah, check us out, Sweet Farm. Uh, dot org. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about snow, uh, we have a, our landing page at snow.llc. And um, I really appreciate all of the work that uh, you're doing, Shelley, and, and your whole team. Uh, keep it up. We're so uh, we're so proud to see you know you guys uh, scaling out and really doing big big things to change the world. And that's our show for this episode. Thank you again to Nate Salpeter from Sweet Farm and Snow for joining us today. For information about Sweet Farm, visit sweetfarm.org. And for information about Snow, visit snow.llc. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. And please share any feedback you have with us via LinkedIn or on our Twitter account at inner underscore plant. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.